Good evening. I'm so glad you're here tonight. This has been really fun, and uh, thank you for making the adjustment uh, to your schedule. Our intention and goal was to keep you and all of our volunteers and our team out of uh, harm's way tomorrow morning, and so, so glad um, that you were able to make this work out and uh, join us for worship tonight. And I do want to say thank you to, to our team of people that have served tonight to put this on. Every, every Sunday, every service, um, it takes a number of people from our production team who work the audio and in the back, and then our, 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 our praise and worship team, choir at 9 a.m., and then our welcome team. We had a full welcome team tonight. So those of you that, that came out, flexed your schedules, and changed your schedules, thank you for doing that. In fact, um, one of, uh, a couple of our worship team leaders, um, Jake and Jess Bigelow, Jess was uh, right here on stage a second ago, and I don't know if you noticed this, but she had a baby um, over the Christmas break. And so they gave birth to their first baby, uh, Eden. And uh, so this is her first time back uh, to worship with us. And um, so, so the story goes, Mark called Jake to say, hey, listen, we, last night at about 4.30 or so, um, we, we, we started talking about the idea of having service tonight. And so he immediately got on the phone and started calling his team to see if they could do it. And he called Jake and said, Jake, do you think you could possibly uh, be here tomorrow night and, and play bass for us and so forth? And, and Jess overheard that. Uh, and she said, yes, we can. Jacob was like, well, we have a date planned. And, uh, and Jess said, well, I would, come, I would rather go worship and lead in worship. So we got the opportunity to have her to worship and, and miss a date tonight. So, but I will say... One of the nice things about being uptown on Saturday night is that when you get done tonight, it would be a great idea for you to take your significant other out on a date. If you are here with your significant other, take them to one of the restaurants around here, have dinner with them, um, and uh, you can say that Pastor Robert said to do that. If you don't have a significant other uh, here tonight, well, there might be another one in the room that you can find, and maybe you can find your significant other tonight uh, here in the room. That's what we're all about. We want to hook those people up and so forth. It's so good to be with you tonight. And... Um, as, I, as we think of this weekend, uh, of all the things that we're thinking of this weekend, I, you may or may not be aware of this, but this is typically the Sunday during the year that we, that we focus and we take a moment to, to think of the significance of human life. It is Sanctity of Life weekend, uh, where we think of the uniqueness of human life, how each and every person, no matter who you are, or where you are, was made in God's image is an image bearer. Because of that, you're special. You're important. Your value. Sanctity of life, as we think of what the Scripture says about life and what the Scripture says about human life, is that, that life matters. Human life matters. At the same time, we're reminded the brokenness of this depravity that is in this world teaches us, trains us to look at life differently than that and to not value life to the level and manner that God values life. And so because of depravity and because of, because of the brokenness of this world, we see the face of injustice all over life today. One of the focuses that we have on this weekend is the fact that uh, lives are not considered important. They're devalued, specifically the lives of, of unborn children. 
One of the reasons it's this weekend is because it marks an anniversary of an important court decision many years ago, Roe versus Wade. And since that point in time, over 65 million children have never had the chance to live life outside of the womb. Every 30 seconds, seconds, 37 seconds, a, a life of a child is taken from it. And it's not just that. Monday, we celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. Day, an incredible American hero who paved a pathway through darkness in our culture. And it reminds us that the injustice towards human life is, is, is vast. And it happens because of what someone would consider an inconvenience of their life and to, to take the life of a child, but it also happens because of the color of a person's skin. Because someone is different than you. Because of the depravity of this world and the depravity of our lives, lives are taken too soon and people are not valued the same way. And we're reminded this weekend of the the injustice that has been brought upon our African-American brothers and sisters in our own country. One of the things that Martin Luther King Jr. said is injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And I'm reminded of something that the Lord said in his word in Micah chapter 8, verse 6. He has told you, O man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? What does the Lord want from us? To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly, humbly with your God. And so in this weekend, as you celebrate, as you, you hopefully sit home tomorrow and your power remains intact and you get to watch the snowflakes fall. What can you do about it? What can you do about the injustice around us? Maybe to take a moment just to reflect upon your own life of the injustice that sits in you and me and all of us, of, of the way we look at people and the way that we view people and the way that we, we treat people. There is much work to be done in this world to elevate and to raise the value of life. God's people, first and foremost, among all people, need to see people the way God does and to fight for life, the sanctity of life, no matter whose life it is, a baby, a senior adult, an African-American, an Asian, in Afghanistan matters. Would you pray with me just for a minute about this matter, and then we're going to step into God's word together today. Lord, I thank you so much for the life that you've given each and every one of us, that in the same amount of love and thought, and the creative genius of the divine, you have created each and every one of us uniquely, and you have you have shaped who we are, our faces and our hair and our fingerprints. They're all unique and they're all a reflection of your image, of who you are. There's no other being like us. Because upon us you have put your stamp. You have crafted us after yourself. And we thank you for that. We praise you for that. Lord, forgive us for not viewing life that way. 
not viewing the life of other people in our lives that way. For treating other people as an inconvenience and for looking at other people and judging them based upon what they look like, where they're from. Forgive us for that sin. Cleanse it from us. And help us as your people to act like the people who will one day stand around your throne with a person from every tribe and every race and every language, glorifying the one who made us, saved us, and brought us there. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles, if you would, this evening and turn them to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 1, the very beginning of the story. Mark's gospel steps off into the ministry of Jesus immediately. Mark skips past the birth of Jesus in the early days of Jesus, and he steps off into the very the, the activity of Jesus. And he steps in, even in chapter 1, Jesus' life is, is ramping up, and his popularity is growing, and people all around him um, are seeing what he's doing. And there's a story in verse 32, that I want to draw your attention to. And then I want to show you something that happens on the heels of that story. So if you'd stand in honor of God's word, Mark chapter 1, verse 32. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick and oppressed by demons. Now they did that because Jesus had already been known to begin healing people. And so Jesus had this attention. And so that evening, as the sun went down, when everybody's supposed to be kind of settling in, Jesus' uh, work started. It had been going on all day, and that evening it even ramped up even more. And so person after person, sick people and oppressed people were being brought to Jesus. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many who were with demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And then I want you to see verse 35 very closely. Rising very early in the morning... While it was still dark, he departed, and he went to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Be seated. Jesus' life was busy. He had worked all day. He had been working all week. Countless people all around me, and when you back up and when you around him, and when you look at the entire story of Jesus, Jesus was hardly ever alone. There were always people bringing him. I mean, thousands of people. It tells us here the whole city was at the door of the house that he was staying in. Could you imagine if you're just going there for kind of just to relax and going there for supper and just wanting to hang out and watch the game? And all of a sudden, there's a knock at the door, and you open the door, and the person comes to you and says, "Hey, Jesus, um, there's somebody at the door to see you." Jesus walks to the door, and there are hundreds of people at the door. And they're all coughing, and they don't have masks on. They don't have their vaccination cards. They're sick. Then you've got people that, that are visibly unhealthy because they're possessed by demons. And so you've got over, over here next to the mailbox a person being held down by chains because he's full of a demon and being oppressed by a demon. And Jesus is brought out from dinner to work. And it goes on all night. He's healing people, and one by one, they're bringing people, and there's, I'm sure, worship and amazement and astonishment about what is Jesus is doing. But this goes on day after day after day after day with Jesus. And Mark gives us a little picture of a moment that Jesus had. And that moment that Jesus had is something that I think we can learn from something. 
Because you too have a busy life. We're busy. We have jobs, we have families, we have obligations, we fight traffic. There's always something happening, there's always something going on. There's thing after thing after thing after thing. And if Jesus, who is divine, if Jesus, who has all power, needed to do what happened in verse 35, don't you think that you and I, who are busy as well, need to do what happens in verse 35? And here's the point that I want to make tonight and I want to talk to you about is that busy lives need prayer. Because our lives are so busy, we must make moments of prayer. Jesus made a moment. He created a moment of prayer. And from that prayer, he immediately went back because it tells us in verse 37, he was interrupted. Simon came looking for him and found him and said, hey, Jesus, everyone is looking for you. So it's, it's not even breakfast yet. Jesus goes to bed that night, probably at 2, 3 in the morning. And immediately before breakfast, at sunrise, people are once again looking for Jesus. But in order for Jesus to, to maintain what he was doing and do what he was doing, he had to make this moment of prayer a priority in his life. That's something I want you to understand. We must make moments of prayer a priority. It tells us in verse 35, and rising very early in the morning, Jesus made an effort to secure a moment. And we see that this was something regular in Jesus' life. Over 25 times throughout the New Testament, we were told that he made time to pray. That he stopped what he was doing and he created a moment. He prioritized a moment to pray. Here he put it at the very start of the day. In front of everything else. And Mark doesn't say this. And other people, gospel writers, also mention that, that Jesus rose early to pray. But I do wonder whether Mark puts this at the beginning of the story to give us a little clue into the daily life of Jesus. If this was something that Jesus did every single day, because it's not the only place we're told, early in the morning he rose to pray. Sometimes it was late at night. You remember the story of him praying with the disciples who fell asleep that night while he was praying. He made a priority he understood that prayer must be a priority in life. He needed the connection with his father because he was dependent upon his father. In order to do the busyness that he had to do, in order to maintain everything he was to maintain, in order to continue the pathway and accomplish the purpose, he needed a connection with the Father. And I want you to understand something about your life. In order for you to be who God wants you to be, in order for you to accomplish what God wants you to accomplish, in order you to live life, this abundant, full life, you need a connection with the Father. You need a connection, a close connection with God. Jesus said in John 8, 28, I do nothing on my own, but I speak just what the Father has taught me. And it was from this deep connection with the Father, this communion, that brought so much power in his life. It was through this avenue, this priority of prayer, that continued Jesus on the trajectory he was called to be on with his life. He was continually in 
this mode. He was continually in prayer mode. Listen, you will never know the power of prayer in your life. And you will never know the power of God in your life until you make prayer a priority. You and I understand the importance of power. How lost we get when that device that we carry in our pocket starts going into red mode and the the notification comes that you have 20% remaining. I get nervous when that happens, especially if I'm not near a power source. Wasn't but a few days ago that I, I was in a situation where I was away from a power source and Man, you know what I did that night? I forgot to plug my phone in that night. And so I woke up and I wasn't paying attention. I was only living on 17% of power that morning. How I even had breakfast that morning, I don't know. But I did. And I went to work and I got involved in some other things. And I was out and about. And my phone kept buzzing and I was texting. And there were things that I needed to do. A phone call I needed to make. An email I had to check up on and so forth. And I looked down and it says 5% remaining. And then it went dead not long later. By the mercy of God, by the grace of God, I'm here today. I don't know how it happened. I mean, I, I really don't know how it happened. I was, a, I was a wreck. I was stressed. I was worried. I was frustrated. I began looking for somebody with a cord that I could plug into and so forth. It was, it was nuts. And I, don't, I really have no idea how in the world the earth and the world got this old without phones. I mean, I, I can't even remember a part of my life. I do remember there was a day in time I didn't have phone, but I can't remember how miserable I must have been without that thing. We know how important it is that we connect that thing to a power source. So every day at some point in time in your life, whether it's overnight or whether it's during the day, you've got to connect that phone to a power source to keep that phone going. We make it a priority to plug it in. We make it a priority to connect to the power. And on a much grander scale, why don't we do that with our lives? How in the world do we think that we can live in this world, that we can exist, that we can accomplish what God wants us to accomplish, that we can work through the sin in our life and that we can, we can experience things, that we can be the people, that we can love like we're supposed to love and not make a priority of connecting ourselves to the source of power. Many of us are living depleted on power because we've not made a priority prayer. Deep dependence upon God means dynamic power, and prayer warriors are those who make a priority of prayer. And something Jesus also tells us is not just to make a priority of moments of prayer, but, but we make moments of prayer by making space for prayer. See, prayer takes focus. Prayer is not an easy thing to do. It tells us here, rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, notice this, he departed and he went to a desolate place. A desolate place. So it was a place away from everything. I imagine he'd been staying in this little city and that he, he got up that morning, he walked away and he got out in outside the city limits. And it was early in the morning, maybe the, the sun had not risen, so the stars were out and he was out there by himself. There was no one else around. There was nothing else around. 
Either he left his cell phone at home or he was in a place where it had bad network, like Verizon, T-Mobile, AT&T didn't reach in this location. He put himself in a situation where there were no distractions. There were no people begging for him. There were no people interrupting for him. It took a while for even those that were closest to him to find him because he was in this desolate place, this separated place, this this space that he had created. Luke tells us in Luke chapter 5, verse 16, that this was a regular pattern of Jesus. He would withdraw, he says in verse 16, he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Jesus got alone and he got away. Jesus understood he needed this. He lived a busy and demanding life. It had to be draining upon him. He was God, yes, but he was also man just like you and I and constantly had people wanting to know who he was, constantly had people around, constantly had people asking question after question after question. I mean, we all say, what's the first question you're going to ask Jesus when we get to heaven? We all kind of think there's certain things that we, Jesus had that all the time. He was here. Oh, you're Jesus. Hey, you know, I was wondering about this. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Jesus, I I was wondering this. Did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? Constantly being asked question after question and then being brought needs and burdens. I mean, serious needs and burdens. You have people whose children had died. You had had people that that were sick and had been lame for all of their life. You had demon-possessed people. You had high-intensity moments and situations over and over and over and over in Jesus' life. It had to be draining upon him. So many people, so many things. In such a short amount of time, in this three years that he served in his ministry, and as soon as they could, they were looking for him. First thing in the morning, late at night, he had to fight to get away so that he could maximize this priority he had for prayer. Jesus told us to do the same. Prayer is to be a priority. But listen, in order to make moments of prayer, moments of power in our lives, we've got to make space for it. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. When you pray, when you pray, go into your room. Shut the door. And pray to your Father who is in secret. Make space for prayer. We are a busy and a stressed people. Did you know that today the average commuter experiences four times the stress of a fighter pilot? Did you know that today Americans work one to two more hours per day than any other Western country? We have less vacation and rest than any other developed nation in the world. We are more efficient than ever, and we are one of the most efficient cultures and countries in the world, but we have longer work weeks than we've ever had. Over 40 million of us are sleep-deprived, and on average, all of us have less than 2.5 hours of sleep per night than we did a century ago. We sleep less than our grandparents did. You say, well, we're, we're, we're multitaskers. We, we've, we've, max, we, we've, we've, we've learned how to multitask. Multitasking is a farce. You cannot do two things at the same time. You can do two things back to back very quickly. 
switching back and forth and switching back and forth and switching back and forth. But you, you can't actually do two things at the same time. So we're in this constant mode of our brains going from one thing to another thing, one thing to another thing, one thing to another thing all day long. Looking here, looking there, looking at the road, looking in the mirror, thinking of this and thinking of that. We're constantly, our, our brains and our minds are, are constantly switching back and forth to different things and different things and different things and different things. In a recent study, 75% of kids said that they wanted less stress for their parents rather than more time with them. It's noticed in us. These are the facts, but, but what about the unknown when it, when it hits our life? What about the uncontrollable distractions that happen in our life, the things that, 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 that tack onto this? We are constantly being pulled. We are constantly going. And we live in a city that is fast. We live in, in, and work in jobs that are fast. And, and, and if you add to that with your life, if you, if you have children or if you have a marriage or if you have a relationship, it adds even more to that. It's no wonder why mental health is such a big deal today. Because we are overdoing ourselves. We are going faster and there is more coming at us and there is more being pulled from us. All the time. And these busynesses and these distractions, they're depleting our souls. It's a spiritual battle happening with us. And if you and I don't master our busyness, it will starve us spiritually and drain us mentally. We have to get away and get alone. The biggest excuse that people have, that we have for a weak prayer life is, is that, I, well, I just can't find time. I'm too busy. I just can't find time to pray. Well, of course not. That's exactly what the enemy wants you to, where he wants you to be, that you don't have time. And it's not just prayer, it's every area in our life. It's anything that has to do with our walk with God. That you don't have time to listen to his word. That you don't have time to be part of the fellowship of his church. That you don't have time to serve. That you don't have time to share your faith. This busyness is robbing our spiritual life and is depleting us of the power that the Holy Spirit wants to work in our lives. We, we don't have time. I'm just, just waiting for a break. Can I tell you something, at least that I've learned in, in my life, is that life will not slow down. If you are waiting for a break and waiting for something to change, nothing will change. You must slow it down. You will not ever find time. Time is not something you can buy on Amazon. It's not something you can go and get at Walmart. It is something that you have to create, that you have to make. Friend, being too busy to pray is not an excuse. It's disobedience. We have to fight the halt. We have to fight to halt the busy distractions and make these moments, and to make these moments focused 
to create space for these moments. To say for this moment, my phone is away, my door is shut, my calendar is empty. For this moment that I'm going to talk and connect to God. We have to make those moments. We make moments for many things in our life. If it matters to you, you do have the ability to make a moment for it. Make moments of prayer by making space for prayer. We make moments of prayer by making a priority of prayer. Let me be honest with you. These two things that I've shared, these first two things that I see with Jesus makes me feel really guilty. Because I don't do very well at this. I don't make it a priority in my life. I, I have a hard time putting everything away and focusing myself on prayer. Even this morning in my time with the Lord, as I was spending time with the Lord, I was, I was reading John chapter 15. And I cannot remember what verse I was on, but my phone buzzed. And it's 7 o'clock in the morning. Whatever buzz it was, it probably wasn't that important. And I'm not kidding. I checked a Gmail email from a promotion that I never signed up for. It is not easy. But this next one may be will. Let me give us an easy one here. Jesus actually gives us a very easy one. I love the way that, that Mark put this, these last four words. Because this, while prayer seems such a daunting task to make a priority of it and to, to make space of it, and the truth is we all stink at it. This next one is actually pretty simple. Look at these last four words of verse 35. And there he prayed. What did he pray about? It doesn't say. How long did he pray? It doesn't say. Wouldn't you have loved to hear that prayer and what Jesus would say to his father? It doesn't say. We have no idea. All it says is that he made a priority and he got isolated and he prayed. You know, prayer is really simple. And I think that's what Mark is trying to help us see here. Prayer is really simple. There's no complicated formula to it. Just pray. Just talk. Just visit with. About what? Whatever. Start there. Start with whatever. Just talk to him. Jesus prayed for, for lots of things. We see different prayers recorded that we do get to see into what Jesus, and there's a multitude of things that Jesus prayed. Prayed for people. Jesus supplicated. He prayed for sick people. He prayed for his disciples. He prayed for believers. He prayed for the lost. Jesus worshiped. He he did the A of the Acts. He adored God. He gave thanksgiving. He did the T. He praised Him. He prayed for His personal needs. Jesus prayed for Himself in these intense moments that He was in. There's lots of stuff you can pray about. There's lots of stuff that you can talk to God about. Just in the early church that we see in the book of Acts and we see in the epistles, here's 30 things that the early church prayed about, what they did praying about. 
They prayed that God would exalt his name. They prayed that God would extend his kingdom. They prayed that the gospel would speed ahead of them and be honored. They prayed for fullness of the spirit. They prayed that God would vindicate his people in their cause. They prayed that God would save unbelievers. They prayed that God would direct the use of his word. They prayed for boldness and proclamation. They prayed for signs and wonders. They prayed for healing. They prayed to cast out demons. They prayed that God would supply our necessities. They prayed for strategic wisdom. They prayed that God would establish leadership. They prayed for their government leadership. They prayed that God would send out reinforcements. They prayed for the success of missionaries. They prayed for unity and harmony amongst themselves. They prayed for the encouragement of togetherness. They prayed for a mind of discernment. They prayed for knowledge of the will of God. They prayed for the power to comprehend the love of Christ. They prayed for a deeper sense of assured hope. They prayed for strength and endurance. They prayed for your faith that it might not be destroyed. They prayed for greater faith. They prayed that they might not fall into temptation. They prayed that they would do good works. They prayed for the forgiveness of their sins. They prayed for the protection of the evil one. There is all sorts of stuff that you can pray. Simple. It doesn't matter whether it's in, it doesn't really matter how, how, how well it's said. I mean, you know, we, we do this sometimes when we, we gather corporately together to pray. And uh, I see it with my, with my own children, and each of them have been very different throughout the years, like, when they begin to recognize and begin to care about what other people think. And I remember doing this as a kid too. Whenever we're together and we call upon one of them to pray, there's a point in time in their life where they say, no, no, I can't, no, I don't want to. Why not? And there's a little bit of fear that, well, there's an embarrassment about it. And I'll never forget, one of them said a while back, we, we asked them to pray and, and they said, Dad, you're, you're a much better prayer than That's where we got prayer all right, wrong. There is no better. What are, you, what are you, a better prayer if you pray in King James Version? Thou, Heavenly Father, you pray in a deep, loud voice, or you pray with a lot of passion. Does that make, is that good prayer? It doesn't work like that. just pray. You just talk. About what? Just start. And it's amazing where it will go. Pray about what bothers you. Pray about what you're afraid of. Pray about what you're stressed about. Pray about, pray about what's keeping you up at night. Pray about what you feel bad about and what you feel guilty about. Pray about the things in, in your life or in your day that you saw that were not good, were wicked. We've got to make a priority for it. We've, we've got to make space for it. I think we need to make it simple. Busy lives need prayer. Because our lives are so busy, we must make these moments of prayer. Because the busy and the broken lives that we live, this demanding, this high pressure, this fallen world, requires constant refueling, and constant refreshment, and constant refocus, and constant reconnecting, and constant repentance that we live in. We need these things. And we constantly need to learn to depend 
upon his grace and his power that only he can give. And prayer is our way to disconnect from the physical, hectic lives and to spiritually plug into the power of God that will recharge our souls to live with power. Let me say that again. Prayer is our way of disconnecting from our physical lives, our physical, hectic lives, and to spiritually plug into the power of God that will recharge our souls to live with power for Him. And if we are not doing that regularly in life, we are running on empty. No matter how many verses you know, no matter how long you've served the Lord, no matter how good of a person you are, you're running on empty. And you're living without the power of God. You don't make moments of prayer. First Baptist Charlotte, it's the same for us. As a church, we don't make moments of prayer, priority and space for it. We have no power. We may preach the right gospel. We may sing the right songs. We may be so well located. We may have a great history. But if we aren't people of prayer, it doesn't matter. There's a lost and dying world. There are lost people all around us, and the truth is none of us can save them. We can be nice to them, but we can't save them. Only God can. There is a wicked world out there where darkness is winning in many circles. None of us can stop it. It doesn't matter how much you vote. You can't stop it, but God can. And we connect to that power through prayer. Being on our knees is more important than standing with a picket sign in our hands. Being on our knees and talking to God is more important than anything we do during the day. Busy people need prayer. So Lord, as your disciples said, teach us to pray. Heavenly Father, we we don't do this often enough. I confess it in my own life. And I need more of this. Help me. Help us. To depend upon you. On the outside, Lord, we may look good and I may do things well, but on the inside, Lord, I need what only you can give. Teach us to pray. Make us a people of prayer who will, will rise up, whether it's early in the morning or stay up late at night or get alone. We would prioritize it and that we would find those places. Help us to shush distractions to push these things away that demand of us to focus upon you and to talk with you and to listen to you 
Teach us to pray. You know, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, it all begins with that prayer. It starts there. The first prayer that God answers in your life has to do with you. It has to do with your relationship with Him. If you feel like you don't have a connection with God and you, you, you don't know what, what it's all about, it, it may be that you've never stepped through this first step by giving your life to Jesus Christ, by trusting in Him. And so where you're seated, whether you're online, in your living room, or whether you're here tonight in this room, your heart, why don't you begin that relationship with God through Jesus tonight by telling him this from where you're seated, Lord save me, come into my heart and be my Lord, Jesus forgive me of my sin, I trust in you, believe in you, give you my life, it all starts with that you voice that to him from your heart tonight and if you've already done that like many of us in this room you've already trusted Christ I want you to remember that it all started with that the power of God you connected to it through Jesus trusted in Jesus and in that moment of trusting Jesus and confessing him as your Lord and asking him to save you he gave you the power of heaven he broke the chains of sin and death in your life in that moment Something you could never do with your life. You could never do what he did in that moment of prayer with him. It's no different today. That in our moments of prayer today, in our times of prayer right now, God can do the same in our lives. To break the chains of sin and addiction, to break the chains of despair and anxiety and depression, to to give wisdom, help you see things you haven't seen. And church, listen, I believe God has the power to break the, the evil of everything we see. We talk about injustice. I believe God has the power to break injustice and change that in this world. We pray. He has the power to save loss. We pray. Saved you through it. Because we have a time of invitation tonight, just the last time of worshiping together. What is it you need to take before the Lord? What is it you need to bring to Him? Maybe for some of you tonight, you did pray to receive Christ. You trusted in Christ. If you're online, we would love to connect with you. We would love to talk to you about that. If you'll just say something in the chat tonight. One of our pastors is there online with you and would love to talk to you about that. Others of you in this room, if you've trusted Christ tonight, or if you want to, in a moment, we're going to stand and sing. Our pastors are going to be up here. And in a very private way, you can just come up and talk to us during this time. We'll remain after the service, hang out here for a little bit, and we'd love to talk to you about that personal relationship with Jesus. Others of you tonight in this room, you need to pray. You need to bring something before the Lord. Our altar is open for this tonight. That's what this invitation is, a time to pray. Whatever it is this evening, you respond as God is calling. Stand and sing with us as we have a time of invitation.